The text for the sermon this morning is the verses 2 to 8 of 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 to 8. We'll read those verses again. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, imagine if you got a telephone call later on today and you would answer the phone and you heard a voice on the other side that you didn't recognize which said, hello, I'm a thief and I've been checking out your place and I noticed you have a very nice laptop computer, and I also noticed a very nice digital camera. Well, I'm going to come and steal those things from you, so be ready. I'll be breaking into your place early tomorrow morning when it's dark. You think, do you think that would really happen, boys and girls? That you would get a, a phone call beforehand? Of course not. Thieves don't warn people who they're going to rob beforehand, will they? They come secretly when they're not expected. When everybody's sleeping, for instance, in the night, in the dark. But what would you do if a thief phoned you the day before he was going to break into your house like we mentioned? What would you do then? I think you'd make sure that all the locks on your doors and your windows worked really well, that your house was secured, right? And you'd phone the police, ask them to maybe drive by on a regular basis to check up on your place during the night. You'd, you'd probably hide your laptop and camera and other valuables away securely somewhere. And I think you'd be sitting up in bed awake, wouldn't you? Listening for the sound of someone breaking in. I doubt you'd be able to sleep if the thief told you beforehand he was coming. Well, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ told us beforehand already he's coming back. He's going to come back in glory and majesty. We don't know the date and the time, but he has assured his people in many places in his word that he is coming. The day is coming. 
Some people think, you know, they can predict the time when Christ is coming again in the early 1990s. There was Harold Camping in California who predicted Christ would return on September 1994. Didn't happen. So he had to do a recalculation of all kinds of figures that he found in the Bible, and he came up with a new date, May 2011, you might remember. Nothing happened on that date. So then he had to recalculate again, and he predicted October 2011. Didn't happen. And then Mr. Camping finally admitted he couldn't predict when Christ was coming back. And how many people over the, the centuries haven't tried to predict Christ's return, the time and date of Christ's return? Nobody knows when Christ will return in glory. Jesus himself said he was coming. He assured everyone. But that no one knows the day or hour, not even the angels, not even the Son when he was here on earth, but only the Father in heaven. So why are so many people interested in knowing when? I think it's because then they might know exactly when they need to be ready, and then they can take measures to prepare just before that and procrastinate until then, maybe. But that's exactly why the Lord didn't give us a date. Could be tomorrow. Could be a hundred years from now, a thousand years. The thing is, he wants us always to be awake, watching, preparing for his coming in glory. And with that in mind, I proclaim to you the words of the text this morning with this theme, stay awake for the day of the Lord. We see three things in connection with that. First of all, you know it's on the way that day. Secondly, you know who you are. And thirdly, you know what you need to put on for that day. In chapter 4 of his letter, the Apostle Paul explains something about the return of the Lord Jesus to those uh, new believers in Thessalonica. We heard about that uh, last Sunday already, too. He explains that when the voices cry out, the, the trumpet sounds that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then the believers who are alive will be caught up in the air with them to meet the Lord and to welcome him here on earth. The apostle goes into that some more in the first part of the last chapter of his letter. When will all of this take place, he asks. Well, says Paul, you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He had most likely preached about that when he was in Thess Thessalonica already before. The Lord Jesus himself had said something very similar. We read that in Luke 12. The Lord Jesus said, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Thieves come when they're not expected. 
And now we have alarm systems and so on, but in ancient times, the only way to protect yourself from being robbed was to be wide awake. That's how it is with the coming of the Lord Jesus too. We don't know when He's coming. We do know He is coming. And so we need to be awake. That's what those Thessalonians had to understand again. The day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night unexpectedly. They need to be awake. A thief in the night. Now, I think thieves can steal in the daytime too, right? They prefer the night though. Most people are asleep then and thieves can also use the cover of darkness to break in and steal. But there's more to, to the mention of the night in our text. We don't know whether Jesus will necessarily come during the, the nighttime as such, but it'll be night in the sense that the life of this world is and will more and more become dark because of sin and unbelief and godlessness. That's the darkness. God wants his face to shine on this world in Christ, but so many people don't want to know him. So even though people try to brighten life here on earth in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of, by all kinds of means, they do that outside of God and outside of his goodwill. And so things get darker and darker here because the glory of God is, doesn't shine here. People don't want to see it. Only when God is truly loved and served does light shine in the darkness. Brothers and sisters, how is that with you? Do, do you live in the light of God's face? Does that light shine in your heart and out of you? Or, or is it dark? Or are you trying to live in the twilight zone? bit of God maybe, maybe just Sundays, a few minutes a day maybe for, for the rest, work or school, he doesn't play a role and factor into your life. And you're in the darkness. Then, and then if the day of the Lord is going to come, it's going to be a complete shock for you. When the light breaks through the glory of the Lord, it'll be like like when a thief breaks in. We mentioned already, a thief isn't going to let you know beforehand when he's going to break in. It'll come as a totally unexpected event which overtakes you in your nice, peaceful, restful life. Listen to the text in verse 3. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Peace and safety. The apostle is apparently referring to what the false prophets said in Israel, you know, before the, the Babylonian uh, attack, the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem, and, and the exile when they were carried away into exile. Those prophets, those false prophets, they cried out, peace, peace, don't panic, no problem, don't worry people. Now is the time to eat and drink and relax. And suddenly, the enemies were at the gates. 
congregation, there are all kinds of people working hard to ensure our peace and security today too. The government assures us that they can keep a tight rein on the economy. It's up and down some, but they, they manage it very carefully. Working hard at dealing with criminality, there are incidents, but the feeling of security is pretty good. For a monthly fee, too, you can get an app for your smartphone which lets you monitor your home when you're away. You can look right into your house. And yes, there are lots of wars and rumors of wars today, but the United Nations is working hard at dialogue and world peace, and NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is always there to stand up to aggression against its member nations and so on. And in the meantime, unwanted pregnancies are terminated without any problem, and there's growing pressure to allow assisted suicide when there's no quality of life anymore, so-called. And values and norms can, it is said, and should change with the times. Well, it's in such times, times when people say there's peace and security, there's nothing to worry about, really, that the great break-in from above will suddenly take place. It'll mean that all the security systems which man has set up to ensure his peace and safety will abruptly fail, and mankind will suddenly be exposed to the final judgment of the living God. No one will escape. There is no escape. For anyone. And the apostle compares that occasion to what happens when a pregnant woman is due to give birth and labor pains come upon her when she's going to give birth. Over the last days, she became uncomfortable, maybe, and longed for the day when the child she carried under her heart for so many months would be born. But naturally, labor pains never come when the mother decides she wants to have them. The couple just has to wait, and, and those pains come unannounced, sometimes at a, the most inconvenient time, quite often at the most inconvenient time. The one moment, mother's out shopping in the store, and the next moment, she's in the car, and she feels something, and oh, oh, the first labor pains. Unexpected. That's how it'll be with the day of the Lord, according to the text. Suddenly. Suddenly, without prior warning, suddenly, irrevocably, they will come over the whole, it'll come over the whole world that day, over all mankind. Light will, will be there. No one can say, I don't want any part of this. There will be no escaping that day and all that comes with it. The Lord Jesus himself compared it to when fire and brimstone suddenly rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah, or when the waters of the flood suddenly overtook people in the days of Noah. Where will people who placed all their trust in the economy and in man-made peace and security, where would they go then? Where will they go? There's no escaping that, escaping that day of reckoning, the day of the Lord's coming to judge the living and the dead. 
Those who refuse to believe in such a day will want the hills to hide them and the mountains to cover them. They don't know where to crawl. But whoever loved the Lord will find glorious vindication. Whoever was awake will be vindicated and stretch their hands out to their Lord in joy. This is what I was waiting for. This is what I was hoping for. They lived in the expectation of that day. And that brings us to the second point. Stay awake for the day of the Lord because you know who you are. The apostle writes verses 4 and 5, but you, brethren, are not of the darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of of the day, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. The day of the Lord isn't going to be a big shock to believers, says the apostle. To you as believers, it wouldn't be. Because you don't live in darkness. Others who seek their life and security here in man-made systems and organizations and whatever, they, they will be stunned at the coming of that day. And you see, there, there are two kinds of people. People of the day and the light. People of the night and of darkness. What a contrast. Darkness has enveloped this fallen world, as we mentioned, but believers see light and they live in that light here in the middle of this world. And that light they see and live by is the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He himself said that. I'm the light of the world. John writes it also at the beginning of his gospel. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Well, when he comes again, his light will shine over this whole world. Everything will be exposed to his light. The light of that day will bring eternal light over this world. Whoever believes has seen that light already shining. They already live in that light, in fact. That light of the grace and goodness of the Lord shines on that person's walk and talk. That person is child of the day and of the light. And the apostle reminds those Christians in Thessalonica of who they are. You know who you are. You're different than so many others around you. You belong to the light and the day. Congregation is everything light and day here in the church today. Or are there dark spots among us as we sit here in the pews? Whoever lives in the light lives by the day. Every day they also have that other day in their hearts and in their lives. That day already casts its light on their lives. The light of Jesus Christ. They see that light. In fact, they see it getting brighter and brighter. As the day dawns in the early morning, Yeah, the darkness wants to hang on. But believers know that the full light is coming. The day of the full glory of their Savior and Lord. 
they see in him already the morning star rising in their hearts. But faith is needed to see that day coming, right? Steadfastness in faith. That's why the apostle also warns in the text, verses 6 and 7, therefore, let us not sleep as, as others do, but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. Whoever has been woken up by the alarm clock in the mornings, early in the mornings, they can think, oh, I still have a few minutes, you know. You have the snooze on the, on the alarm clock. I still got a few minutes to wait. I can, and then they fall asleep again. And they don't hear the alarm the second time. And things can become dark for that person again. They are in the dark. Our text warns us not to do that, not to become sleepy heads, but to be awake for the coming of the day of the Lord. So many people sleep today. They shut out the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the dawn of his coming. They, they don't want to hear about it. They want to stay in the dark. Hence the warning of our text, be awake, be watchful, and sober, sober. Because those who sleep, we could say, are drunk in the night. They're drunk not just on alcohol, but on all that looks appealing to them in this life, intoxicated with this life, with all the information offered in all kinds of media, for instance, internet, television, radio, movies, and so on. Always new technology, new movies, new fads. You can get caught up in that, drink in more and more of that until you lose your ability to discern what is right and what is not right. You lose the ability to discern what's good from what's immoral. You become intoxicated with the life without God. That's what happens when you're drunk. You lose your ability to discern things rightly. That's why they don't like people who are drunk on the roads, of course. Can't discern rightly. So many people living today have, don't have that discernment. And they end up promoting as good and right what the Bible has plainly, God in the Bible has plainly shown to be wrong and destructive and immoral. And they can't discern that anymore. In our day, for instance, abortion, you know, it's seen as a woman's right. There's no law against it in our nation at all, whereas the Bible clearly shows it to be almost always wrong, immoral. Many today see same-sex marriage as a good thing, whereas if you have the Bible at heart, you realize there is no blessing from God in it at all. You can discern that. Or think of the idea that sex is just a bodily function which has to be satisfied in whatever way you wish, as we mentioned a number of Sundays ago. 
those who know God in Christ and His Word, they can discern that the body is intended to be temple of the Holy Spirit and that the sexual aspect was created by God to be truly enjoyed and a blessing in holy marriage. See, you lose discernment of what is good and what would be a blessing if you do not know the gospel and you become intoxicated, drunk with the culture of this godlessness of the, in this world. Brothers and sisters, let's stay awake and be sober and watchful as we wait for the coming of our Lord in glory. You, you have seen it has been declared to you the first rays of the morning sun are coming. You've seen those rays in Jesus Christ, who is the light of salvation, who has promised to come back and make all things new. It's easy to doze off today, easy to get drunk today in this postmodern age in which so many around us are in the dark about what's right and good and intoxicated with a life without God. It takes a lot of effort to keep your eyes open and be discerning. People, people won't like it if you talk as a discerning person. But fight to stay awake every day, to live in the light of the Lord and His coming every day. Think of the church in Sardis, which had dozed off and was addressed by the Lord in Revelation 3, verses 2 and 3 as follows. Be watchful, says the Lord and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have found your works, not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Congregation, Christ's coming in glory won't be a big shock to you, will it? If it happens tomorrow, or if it happens a year or two from now, be watchful, stay awake, be sober, live as children of the light every day. Then that day won't come on you as a bombshell, but as an expected delight and that brings us to the last part of the sermon this morning. Stay awake for the day of the Lord because you know what you need to put on too. What kind of clothes should the sons of the light, the children of the day, wear as they expect the Lord's return? You're awake and therefore no pajamas on. What then? The apostle instructs us about what we should put on in the text, verse 8. He says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. That's what's in style for Christians their whole life through. Fashions can change, but for Christians, this is the fashion. In order to live watchful and sober lives in this world, we have to put on faith, love, and hope. Those three are mentioned here. 
They should cover us, cover our being. With those three covering us, we can live and stay awake in the expectation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be ready for his coming in faith, hope, and love. Notice that the, the Apostle Paul talks about those three in terms of a soldier on guard wearing armor. Sounds quite militant. And that's because those three are protection in the darkness from the devil who is the prince of darkness. Faith and love seem not very powerful, but pretty meek things, right? But as a breastplate, if you put them on, faith and love are the best protection there could be for your heart. The arrows of discord bounce off that breastplate of faith and love. You can think today in today's term, it's a bulletproof vest. Oh, you know how people can hurt you? Can irritate you? Can cause harm? What they did or said brings you a lot of grief, but those hurtful deeds or words will not draw you away from God in bitterness because you're wearing that breastplate of faith and love. The arrows of the evil one just bounce off. His bullets of anger and acrimony can't pierce the layer of trust and love with which you have then clothed yourselves. And the same with that helmet, that helmet of the hope of salvation on your head. It protects your, your head then, your thinking, what goes on here. You can so easily be influenced in your mind by all kinds of things you see and hear in the media today, as we mentioned before. Easy to be misled into thinking that something which God's Word says is a sin is not a sin which could endanger your life, your salvation. You know, if you look at something like porn on the Internet long enough, then you even start thinking it doesn't affect your mind and it won't affect your relationship with God. It does. It does. Irrevocably, it will. No, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we all need that helmet of salvation to, pre to protect our thinking and our way of thinking to keep our thoughts focused daily on our relationship with the Lord, what He has done to bring us wonderful eternal salvation, to live in the renewal of our minds, to think on what is good and edifying. Notice also, congregation, that the armor mentioned in the text is all about defense. It's not about attack. This is armor for defense. We don't have to go through life from day to day trying to conquer the world for God. No, it's enough to remain standing in faith, hope, and love. And of course, the Thessalonian believers already knew that from Paul's preaching before and from earlier on in the same, this same letter to the Thessalonians. Why did they need to hear that again? Well, because they need to grow in their faith love and hope always you have to put it on again and again and 
Grow in it. Think of how Paul said 3 verse 10 that he prayed night and day that their faith would be perfected. 3 verse 12, he prayed that the Lord would make them increase and abound in love. 4 verse 13, he encourages them about those who have fallen asleep so that they may not grieve as those who have no hope. But that they can grow in the hope of the coming resurrection. Faith, love, and hope, they need, to be, they need to grow. And as they grow, they become more protective of us, keep us awake, ready. Congregation, no growth, but standing still in those three things means decline. If you're not growing, you're declining. So put those three items of clothing, of armor on every day again. Faith, love, and hope. Put them on every day. You'll experience then how well they do protect you. Every day, begin every day with God's word and with prayer that the Spirit of the Lord may give you that faith that you need for today. The love to carry you through hope in increasing measure then you'll always be awake and sober and ready for the return of your savior you'll always be prepared for the moment then when you put those on you'll always be prepared for the moment when his light breaks out in full glory over the whole earth For when the day breaks, after which there will never be any night anymore, and no need for sun, moon, or stars anymore, then God will be the light which shines over all things, and the lamp, lamb will be our lamp shining on our eternal path. Are you awake for that? Amen.